This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm one of the Parenting for Faith team standing in for Rachel Turner who has just had her gallbladder out. Now, I don't know if any of you have had that, but it sounds painful and horrible. But Rachel is being amazing about it. She assures us she's being a very good patient and uh, being well-behaved and resting. We're not entirely convinced about that, but uh, we hope you get better really soon, Rachel. And thank you for everyone who sent in nice messages and well wishes for her as well. by the, her great organisation, she has recorded some things for us, so you're not going to miss out on Rachel's voice today. Uh, we're going to kick off by looking at God answering our prayers. What does it mean when we say God answers our prayers? Uh, for our question and answer today, we're taking something from one of our Facebook lives where a single parent asked about um, when they wanted to start dating, how to talk to their child about that. And in the wildcard section, it's time for books you don't have time to read again. Uh, And I am sharing a book that I read really quickly, which is unusual for me. I'm not much of a reader anymore. And I've made some significant changes to my lifestyle as a result. So I'm going to give you kind of the York note guides of uh, what I think it was saying and how it might help you as well. Uh, So that's uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer. That's going to be coming up towards the end of our session. But first, let's hear from Rachel on God answering our prayers. I wanted to talk about God answering our prayers. It's a really common thing for us to say. It's a sort of pattern. There's a a phrase that we use to sum up God's part in prayer. And I think that if we can get out of the habit of using this, I think it will help our children immensely. The phrase is about God quote-unquote, answering our prayers. And it sort of comes with this sense of, did God answer our prayers? You know, you pray and then you ask yourself, did God answer our prayers? Uh, Often what we mean by this is, did God do what we asked him to do? And I've heard teaching in churches about how God has three answers to our prayers. Yes, no, and not yet. And this idea that God's answers to our prayers centers around him giving us or not giving us what we want. And I think this kind of approach to prayer can teach children and young people that prayer is about asking and getting rather than about a relationship. Uh, and, And it can focus our kids on things like if God doesn't give them the sports car they asked for or their sports team winning or their parent getting healed, then kids and teens can make the logical conclusion of I asked God for something, I didn't get it. God isn't real or God doesn't like me or any other myriad of responses. And the focus becomes, why didn't God answer my prayer? And if we want our kids to be God connected, we've got to show them that God is constantly responding to their prayers, whether or not he does what they ask him to do. And in order to combat this pattern, it can be really helpful to broaden our concept of connection with God in our thoughts and and how we interact with God and how we frame it for our kids and how we help them connect to God in the midst of all the things that are on their heart. And so I would suggest um, a couple of things to sort of transition our children from being focused on the concept of God answering our prayers by doing what we say to uh, a more communication relationship based um, 
type of prayer. Uh, And so the first thing that I would challenge us to do is to stop using the phrase answering our prayers. And it can be hard to get out of the habit of that because it's a phrase that we sort of, that sort of sums up a lot. We sort of put a lot of stuff in that phrase, answering our prayers. Um, If I asked you, what does answering our prayers mean? You would have a lot of meaning in that. And what I find is that it, it, it isn't useful for children and young people. So what would you say if you couldn't use that phrase anymore? Uh, It's just a good intellectual exercise to say, you know, if you weren't going to say answering our prayers, what would you say? Give us what we asked for or communicate it back? Or what, what do you really mean when you say answering our prayers? And use that phrase instead. Uh, The second thing that I think is helpful, uh, just as a biblical side note, is that most of the time in the Bible, when the phrase answer or answering is used in terms of prayer, it means that God communicated back to people. Um, Psalm 91.15 says, uh, he will call on me, this is God speaking, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Jeremiah 33.3 says, and this is God again speaking, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Zechariah 13.9 says, They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is our God. And that's why we in Parenting for Faith advocate this idea of chatting and catching. Uh, This is an idea of prayer, that prayer is about a heart-to-heart connection. Our children sharing anything and everything with God and tuning into the communications of God back to them. And if you want to know more about that, check out the parentingforfaith.org website. Um, There's key tools. uh, There's a whole section on chatting and catching in the course. Um, Both of those are free. Um, Chat and Catch enables kids to engage with prayer as a conversation about their lives, their emotion, their hearts, their actions, on and on, rather than just a list of things they want God to do. Uh, And the third thing is to teach our kids, one, if we could sort of remove those, that phrase answering our prayers, that just helps us define it better. Um, If we can then pivot our kids to looking at relationship and God answering by just engaging with us and speaking to us and and being with us and and all of that stuff of God. And then um, laying down a sort of idea that God acts in response to our prayers, whether or not we see it. Um, We can become so focused on um, the tick list. You know, we asked God for this, he did this, which was eh, close, but not what we asked for. Or did God answer our prayer? Nope, he didn't do it yet. Let's train our eyes and our children's eyes on the God of action. Matthew 7, 8 to 11, uh, is, Jesus is talking about um, asking him for things. And he says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In this, I believe that God promises to move on behalf of us. He promises to respond to those who speak to him. Um, He promises to respond to our requests and our heart cries. So rather than just asking, did God do what we asked? Ask the question, what is God doing? Help our kids look for what God is doing in response. We brought this to God and he is absolutely acting in response to that. I wonder what he is doing. Um, 
I know families who have books, you know, that they write down prayers in or walls of things they're praying for, you know, feel free to track them. But instead of just saying, we asked this, did he do it? Say, we asked this of God and what is he doing uh, in response to that? And look, look for it high and low and what he is doing, what good gifts he's given, where is he in that situation? Um, his responses are always going to be better than our solutions that we often asked for. And, and different times, and they're different sometimes from what we request, but he's always doing something. When we broaden our expectations from answer our prayers by doing what we say to helping our children chat and catch about their lives and others' lives and learn to engage in that two-way conversation with him, seeing God answering them in everyday life, we help our kids see that there is more to life than God, more to life with God than asking him for stuff. And when we help our children look for what God is doing and respond, to the requests that we make. We help them see the active God who is doing lots of things rather than just the narrow view of God doing what we want. We help our children live with God rather than just ask him for stuff. Many of you will now know that once a month we do a Facebook Live event, which is just a way of us connecting with you where you are. We know how hard it is to book babysitters and get out to things or just that you're so tired um, that you don't really want to do that. So we come to you where you are and on the 10th Monday of every month, so whichever Monday falls between the 13th and the 19th, we do three half hour sessions, one for parents and carers of under fives, one for the parents of under 11s and one for uh, preteens and teenagers. And we pick a topic that you've asked us for, something relevant and something that you care about and give you really some age specific advice and ideas. And you pile in with your questions, your thoughts, your comments. Uh, and it's just really short and sweet, but so much goodness comes from it. And we were doing one recently on boyfriends and girlfriends. Uh, if you miss that, you can go onto our Facebook page on the videos to watch it or on our website for you pop in uh, boyfriends and girlfriends in the search bar which is in the top right hand corner you'll find it but um, a parent asked an excellent question single parent who was looking to start dating again and wanted to know how to talk to their child about it uh, so whether that affects you or maybe other people in your life we thought we'd share that now here's what Rachel had to say what about I'm a single parent and I'm thinking of dating? How can I help my daughter understand this? Very interesting question. Yes, because it's not just about when our kids get in relationships, but it's also about how do we as parents explain that um, to our kids. And I think this, this concept of creating windows and particularly about where God is in all of that is a really useful tool to say, you know, when I, whatever your circumstance of, of how um, you and your partner became to not be together, whether it's being widowed, whether it's through separation and divorce, um, who God was in all of that and how you feel about it is is really important to say, you know, when, when I stopped having a, a life partner or if you never had one and you're a single parent, this is a big new step for all of you. And so um, how you got to that decision is a really important part of helping your under five understand that. To say, you know, my heart, in my journey, I love spending time with you and I love how our family is and it's really exciting, but there's something in my heart that says I want to begin to make friends with other adults. Now, if you feel like you've found someone that you want to start dating, then you'll feel free, but you can say, you know, I want to start um, letting my heart open up to other people and see if maybe um, 
I can form a friendship. And if that friendship goes somewhere, that's great. And if not, then that's okay. But I feel like I need some more friendships. And if you want to explain dating, and you can say that this person is becoming important in my life and I'm, I'm letting them have a little bit more access to support and trust and encourage. And uh, I don't know where it will go, but I'm going to be very careful about protecting my heart and finding out about that other person. And so you can sort of explain it in stages and say, I'm asking God and I'm talking to God about how I feel and how do you feel. And so rather than saying, I'm thinking about dating and I'm probably going to get married, uh, they probably can't handle that. But that concept of saying, I'm going to open my heart a little bit and test um, what is in the heart of other people and form a friendship and see what that friendship does uh, is a, is useful. Because often dating isn't about, I'm going to find a marriage partner, but it's about saying, I think I'm, I'm open to having other people in my life. And that doesn't change. And so often kids want to know how they engage with that. And basically you're saying it's me and you and we are a family unit and God is a part of that. And we can tell God everything. And um, and you may find that. So when you, when you feel that, it's up, it's up to you how you explain that to them. But um, in the same way that you would explain what other people are, figure out in your head how you want to explain it so that your kid can see it. And then you can let them know uh, what that is. So create windows and explain where God is in the mix about how, you know, when you get scared about it or you're worried um, or about how you feel very confident uh, to just go and get to new and more people and more people to laugh with. However you see it, uh, feel free to share a little bit, not to dump your emotions on your kid, but to let them know so that if that date doesn't work out and you feel like you want to tell your kid that that's what's happening, then you can say, nope, I decided and that person always did talked about themselves and didn't ask questions about me. And I think it's really important um, when I'm looking for someone to invite into my life that we are our team together. I'm looking for someone who would be a good team with us. I'm not sure someone who only talks about themselves is. You know how it is. And you can begin to shape that. So actually, um, your journey of dating is a great window into them seeing what's of value. Okay, for our wild card section, when Anna first read this book, she started raving about it so much that I bought it. Well, I wanted to borrow it from her, but she was like, no. So uh, I bought it and consumed it within days. And then I reread it. And then I reread it again. <laughs> and it's been deeply challenging to me and a huge blessing. And so in our wild cards section today, Anna Hawken is sharing her thoughts on John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. For this episode's books you don't have time to read, I would love to chat to you about The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Now, this only came out at the end of 2019 and I got it for Christmas. And I enjoyed it so much that I'd finished it by the end of Boxing Day. So that is my review in short. It was very good. I couldn't put it down. Um, on the front cover, it says how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. And what's interesting about this from a parenting and parenting for faith perspective is that John Mark is a um, dad. He's got three children and he writes in the perspective of someone who is incredibly busy. He was the pastor of a mega church and uh, was exhausted and burnt out, basically, um, and realised there had to be a better way. And this is kind of his own personal journey of uh, unhurrying and um, just figuring out how to do life better, really. 
So um, firstly he talks about the problem, why are we so hurried? Um, he talks about uh, that we have more information than any other generation in human history and because there is just so much we can feel overwhelmed and you'd think that would empower us and we'd been able to do loads more things but actually it creates a weird sort of paralysis where we get so used to all this information and all this busyness and all this hurry coming in that we feel overwhelmed and we don't do anything. Um, I don't know about you as a parent but I can certainly relate to that and what I found really reassuring and this might be obvious to other people was just that um, reassurance and affirmation that we are living in a very different time in history and it's different even to a couple of decades ago. I sometimes look back even a generation at my parents and how I was parented and all the things that they did with us and the kind of life we had and all those kind of things and think ah but I'm struggling to juggle all these different things um, and so I just found it really helpful that he said yes it is different since the invention of the iPhone and various other things in 2007 lots of things have sped up and we are living in a different period a different time in history and so we need to think about that and tackle it differently there are lots of good things about that but there are some tricky things as well and we need to recognize that and go with it um, and then he gives a bit of a hint at the solution uh, which isn't more time if we had more time that wouldn't fix it and um, talks a little bit about um, Jesus promise of an easy yoke um, and how Jesus life kind of gives us an example to copy uh, sometimes that sounds obvious but sometimes we don't do that we don't really think about how he handled life and how we could do that and then kind of the, the chunky, the core bit of the book is about looking at four practices for unhurrying your life. Conveniently, they all begin with S. Uh, so there's silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity and slowing. Um, so the silence and solitude, um, he's talking about how to find space to be quiet, which I know for many of you will seem impossible but he talks about how he does it as a dad and a busy person. And um, yeah, I'll maybe mention this later, but one thing I really liked about the book is at the end, it gives you a link to a workbook, uh, which has exercises that you can do. So you don't just read it and be inspired and forget about it, but he gives ideas for kind of breathing exercises and ways to pray and how to find space when that's tricky. Um, so that's brilliant. That was all about silence and solitude and how Jesus did that. Um, and then the second section, he's talking about Sabbath. Uh, what is Sabbath? Why does Jesus command it? Um, I remember one bit that stood out to me. He says it's a bit like uh, telling you to, to have a holiday or commanding you for something that seems good. It seems really unnecessary. But then why is, do we take it so lightly? Why is that something that's not important to us? And I had a bit of an epiphany for me and our family that actually Sunday isn't very restful because we're very involved in church and serving there, which is amazing, that's part of our community and what we love to do. Um, actually it means we're not really getting a rest and a time to worship God and enjoy the things he's given us and just kind of taste and see and appreciate his goodness. And so he talks about different ways of doing that and that for some people Sunday works really well, for other people um, it might make more sense to go back to uh, having a Sabbath on a Friday night and Saturday daytime or the other way around um, and that's something that we're hoping to try as a family to give us a bit more energy and inspiration going into uh, Sunday morning not 
doing that absolutely exhausted and then trying to tackle the rest of the week as well. And the third thing he talks about is simplicity, which is very linked into minimalism. Uh, something I would say I'm not very good at, but aspiring to. Um, Joshua Becker is the other guy I'd really recommend on Christian minimalism and how can you really appreciate what you have and work out um, what you can, what you really need to live with and where having more things is taking up your time and energy and robbing you of joy. Really interesting perspective on that. And throughout the book he gives lots of ideas and examples from his own life of things he's done or tried. Um, but what I like about it is it's not prescriptive at all. It's very much, here's the general principle, here are a few things I've tried so you know what it looks like in practice. But go play around with it, find your own version. Um, and for me that works really well. I just feel really released and able to do that. And then um, the fourth thing, so we've had silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, and the fourth one is slowing. And uh, these are kind of almost neo-spiritual disciplines. Um, it's a bit more light-hearted, but he talks about slowing down your body in order to slow down your soul and your mind and everything else. Um, and just some very practical ways to do that. Things like uh, sometimes driving in the slow lane on the motorway or going in the longest queue in the supermarket or um, turning up to an appointment 10 minutes early without your phone things which sound ridiculous and a bit unnecessary um, but it's really interesting and quite funny some of his stories about that and the things that have come out of it um, so yeah I think it is brilliant I would really recommend it and what I liked about it from a parenting for faith perspective is it just made me think how am I incorporating the way that Jesus lived into my own life and then creating a window into that for my children um, these things, learning how to do Sabbath and silence and solitude, are important for me personally. But they're also important because they're things that I want my children to understand and see and learn how to do. Um, so it's important not just for my own spiritual health, but for them as well. And a final question to ask your kid to start an interesting conversation is this. Do you think God is ever in a hurry? Why or why not? Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music